I don't know if you know Kid President, but his uh, name is Robbie, and he has what's called osteogenesis imperfectia, which is a brittle bone condition. He's had over 70 breaks in his body and multiple surgeries. Um, this little boy that looks like he's given you a pep talk is actually a little boy who's lived a lot of life and has lived through some real difficult moments. And so I love the fact that this little boy is actually helping us even with what we're going to talk about today, which is how low can you go and what are your expectations? Um, Scott started us last week asking how low can you go? And he showed us the beautiful broom, uh, low bar, that they did at their house as they practiced the Olympics. And the young guy that named Shep, who put it so low that he actually jumped over it and broke his wrist. And Scott said to us that aiming low can be hazardous to our health. How many of you remembered that this week when you were, when you were sweeping the floor? You thought, I could actually put the low bar there and uh, try that out. Well, what I know is that these five bars that Scott went over last week, action, obedience, credit, greater purpose, and abandon, can feel pretty overwhelming. And so he asked us just to, just to notice which bar needed to be raised in our lives. Was there something very specific? And, you know, I, sometimes I don't even think we need another message until we do what we heard the last time. You know, sometimes I just want to say, you know what, this week I'm going to send you home because we already heard a message last week that we could all really, you know, raise the bar. Do you all think you could raise the bar in an area in your life? Maybe, yeah? And, and so, I, you know, I think about um, maybe when we think about those five bars Scott talked about, we need to just raise the bar on priorities because we can think about... Um, you know, so many things. So for instance, today, I have Christmas lights still hanging up on my house. And, and you know, Valentine's Day is coming, and uh, I might just, you know, hang some hearts from them out in front so that my neighbors think I meant to do that. Um, but, you know, it just hasn't been a priority for us to take down those lights. Uh, one year, I actually had our Christmas tree up until May, and you did too? I love it. And so, um, but my daughter accused me of having it up until July, which I don't think was true. But I do know that sometimes those things are not the priority. Um, the year that my, my sister uh, was headed to heaven, she had a five-month window knowing she was headed to heaven, and she kept the Christmas tree up, and she said, it is going to be Christmas until I die. And it indeed was. And every time I was headed up to see her in Midland, she'd say, stop at, um, what's that place, honey? But, you no, know, it's not Bronner's, but, you know, the, the little outlet place there. Birch Run. Anybody go to Birch Run? Yeah. She'd say, pick me up some Boyd's Bears. I want to give so-and-so a Boyd's Bear. And the priority in our lives for those five months was getting Donna Boyd's Bears. You know, and, and we had a very clear plan for those five months in walking my, with my sister. And I, so I wondered this morning, you know, what do you have left undone in your life that kind of just, just irks you? You walk in and you say, I've meant to clean that closet. My husband should have cleaned the garage. My boss forgot that this was important to me. So... 
Anybody have an idea of a priority that has not been met either to you or by you? Where you think it's a priority, but it's, it hasn't risen to the level of priority. Like, um, you know, we, we always laugh with our daughter because she changed her major, I think, like five times in her undergraduate. So she really could have gotten a doctorate in the amount of time that she got her bachelor's degree. And so we laugh about that all the time. But, you know, there's a reality about what is the priority so that you can do that. And when you do that, you let some other things go that just really don't rise to the level of the high bar for you. And, and so when we can notice those things about our live, lives, we're not just busy, we're actually accomplishing things that matter to us, right? Are y'all with me? So, you know, Scott and I just finished, I want you to all celebrate with us. Yes, we turned in our first draft of the book, and so we thank God for that. It was really a, a long, arduous process, and I kept wanting to put it off, and um, Scott, believe it or not, was the driver in this, you know, because usually I'm the one that's like, you know, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, um, and, uh, and we laugh about that, and Scott's usually, slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. And, uh, but this time, he helped me raise that bar. And there were some things that had to be labeled as unimportant. And that's hard, friends. So, you know, when you are actually deciding what is your priority, you're deciding sometimes between two good things. You know, like two really good things. So there might be a really good thing about visiting your aging parent and helping your uh, child get through puberty. And which one do you spend more time on? So deciding on, you know, between two good things is discovering what your priorities are. Paul said it like this. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which through faith is through faith in Christ. You know what this means? This means that there were some things people thought he should be doing that he didn't do because he was putting another priority in his life. And at another time, those things really actually got him a lot of accolades. All of those things that were people applauded him for. Like he was, you know, a member of the Sanhedrin and, and he was taught by the best of the best, but he had to lay that aside because he was actually not just getting to know God in his head, he was experiencing God in a way that he said, everything else is garbage right now. Have you ever felt that way? Like these things are just taking the lowest level because this is my priority. I love Elizabeth Elliot. If you know anything about her life, we can't talk a lot about her today, but she's written many books and she has given us a way to see God. She said the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. So I find that to be quite a powerful quote from her whose husband was actually killed as a missionary. She actually decided what was going to be the main thing for her and she went for it all the way till her elderly years. 
She was a very young woman when her husband died. Miles Monroe, one of my favorite Jamaican preachers, he is now home with Jesus too, but he's written great books like The Power of Your Potential. And he says, our life is the sum total of all of the decisions we make every day. And those decisions are determined by our priorities. So I got to know what my priorities are, friends, or I will just get lost in the garbage, you know, or the less important things. I will just find myself busy but not living in the center of God's will. And so just let's take a minute and think about some of the things that are kind of niggling at you, you know, like your Christmas lights. And then consider what else might be rising to the level of importance that God is saying, will you pay attention to this right now, please? Let this be the course of action. I remember Scott and I, when we first gave our lives to Christ, and we were both in, uh, we, it's kind of funny, I got accepted to Eastern Michigan University because my grade point was something like two or maybe less. I can't remember exactly. And Scott got accepted to University of Michigan and other places that he, you know, he, because he had a good grade point. He was a good kid. And, um, but because I couldn't get accepted those places and he was in love with me, we both did our first semester at community college. Right? Good choice, sweetheart. And so, you know, together we made our relationship a priority. And while we were in that moment of our lives, we also started to dream about um, some dreams God had for us and things that were being revealed to us in dreams and, and ways that God was saying that we were going to serve in ministry full time. And then you can't believe how the fecal hurricane happened uh, in my family. I mean, it was one of those things like, you're going to do what? You're not going to do what? you know, and uh, really, and what is this about? And you're going to go to Bible college? And what is that? And, you know, and all of those kinds of fun things. And, um, and Scott and I had to make a decision based on our priorities. And at that, that moment, God was saying to us, will you do this with me? See, God will never force you into the life that God is dreaming of for you but always an invitation. And, and by God's grace, you know, here Scott and I are all these many years later from being 19 years old and hearing that call of God. Um, and we're not sad about it. I'm 56 and I'm still thanking Jesus every day for the life that we've been given. And not because uh, it's been easy, but because it's been what has been given. So I'm wondering right now, we've got some new priorities in our lives, and that means we're going to have to say no to some things while we say yes to some others. How about you? What is being raised up for you, the high bar? Not the low bar, not what you can jump over and break your wrist. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to see Scott and his low bar with the broom and the baskets. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Haggai. Can you all say Haggai? Now, why didn't anybody name their child Haggai? I mean, we, you know, we've got so many Joshua's and Elijah's and Ruth's and Esther's, but are you going to name your child Haggai or Haggai? However you want to pronounce it, it's just bad all the way around. Hey, Haggai, you know. So 
I find it interesting that, you know, there are some people in the Bible we will name our people after, and there are others that we just go, Shh. But Haggai, this book, this minor prophet, is a brilliant book. So take the time to read it. It's only two chapters long. And it's actually one of the few, one of the few books of the Bible where the people of God listen to the prophet. And it ends without them disobeying. It's like a miracle. So you've got to read it. Only two chapters. Nobody goes sideways. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, they start out, they actually had been in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And they have now been sent back to their homeland. And they've been here for 16 years in their homeland. When they first got there, they made God's house a priority. And they started to rebuild God's house. But then they just started taking care of their own stuff. And so here's Haggai. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So you might want to write that down in your notes if you're taking notes today. Underline it in your Bible if you're underlining. Consider your ways. You have sown much but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but there's none warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. So it's really interesting. God is talking to the people of God through the prophet saying, you know what, guys? You forgot about the house here, and you've been doing a bunch of great stuff in your own paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies desolate. And then you're aching, and you're, you're actually saying, why aren't I blessed? I don't have enough money. I'm still thirsty. I'm still hungry. I, I don't have what I need. And this prophet is bringing this word to them and saying, consider your ways. Consider your ways as an invitation. God will never make you do anything because God's given you a free will. And that's one of the things, you know, see, we can say yes to God's love because then it's a love relationship. If God forces, us, forces it on us, it's a master-slave relationship. And so God invites us to be loved and to actually be loved in a way that ends up making us satisfied with what we drink and eat and wear and where we live. So again, thus says the Lord of hosts, he says again, consider your ways, go up to the mountain and bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased and glorified. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. And when you bring it home, it blows away. He says, Why? Because of my house, which lies desolate, which each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld the dew, and the earth withheld its produce. And I called for drought on the land, and on the mountains, and on the grain, and on the new wine, and the oil, and the ground produces of men, and cattle, and all the labor of your hands. So here's what's happening. God is saying, I want you to know this is a gift that you're thirsty, because what you're realizing is your priorities aren't in order that actually you haven't been taking care of the house of the Lord. 
that this relationship that we have going on right here, I want to invite you into a satisfying, pleasing relationship that is full of dew and oil and wine and blessing and provision. God is saying that actually when you put first things first, all these things end up feeling very different. We, we laugh about it because Scott and I have always been grateful for the many years that we spent living on poverty wages. And we said to each other, you know, I would say, honey, you've given me everything I ever wanted. And he said, thank God you never wanted much. You know, and, and, and that was the reality. We, you know, we lived in a house that was worth every bit of $100 a month with all of the utilities included and the mice to boot. And we, ha we were satisfied. We were satisfied. And, and so then I look at the other times in my life when I'm like, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, what's up, God? And God might say to me, well, are your priorities in order, Claire? What's first? Because if first things are first, you're, you're actually going to be saying, man, some good stuff is going on here. See, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozdak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people of the Lord, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God through the prophet Haggai. And the Lord their God sent him, and the people showed reverence to the Lord. And Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you. Here's what happens. The people just start to say, I'm going to put my priorities in order. And all of a sudden, they start to feel the presence of God. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel like my pockets are full. They're not any more full than they were. I all of a sudden feel like my stomach is full and my thirst is quenched. And it has to do with this saying, I'm going to listen. So I want to ask a question. Do you have a prophet in your life that can say things to you like, consider your ways? They're in five different times in the book of Haggai. Haggai uses the words consider, which just means take a good look, notice it, and then get your heart set in a direction. And so it's really a beautiful invitation. So when I think about the prophets in my life, I think about, you know, people like my dad who said things to me, and this is one of my favorite stories, but I was 16 and I wanted a pair of jeans and I said, Dad, I want to get a pair of jeans. And he said, okay, you'll have to wait until next payday. And I said, well, you know, Dad, if you didn't give so much money away, I could get jeans this week. And I said, you know, charity begins at home. And my dad looked at me and he said, yes, Claire Marie, and your home is a lot bigger than you think it is. So here I was, a 16-year-old, getting from my dad, consider your ways, Claire Marie. You know, I know you want a pair of jeans, and I know that you're being a bit sarcastic, saying, if you didn't give so much money away, I could get a pair of jeans this week. But I had to have a prophet in my life. Who's the prophet in your life right now that can say, hey, consider your ways a little bit here. Let's just see if your priorities are in order. Where is God in your life? How are you considering the priorities that are really going to bring you grace and life and blessing? It's amazing. God says, I am with you. I am with you. They did. They came and worked on the house of the Lord. They did a great job. They were raising the bar on their priorities. They got away from their excuses like, well, you know, right now I got to do this thing. And sometimes we choose the lesser 
for the better, even if you're choosing between two good things. So what are your excuses right now to keep you from making the main thing the main thing in your life? Where actually there's this, this connection to God in a way that isn't a sidebar or a low bar. But what are the excuses? I, I have a couple right now. I have a couple that, um, you know, there's, there is a real invitation for me to up the ante on a couple of things. And I have a couple of excuses. Why not? And so guess who stayed up all night long wrestling with God over my couple of excuses? Me, but because Scott sleeps next to me, it probably kept him up too. <laughs> and then evaluate, who is first in my life? I want, I, let's ask that question of ourselves. Who's first? Who's first? I mean, we can say God's first. You know, we can. But Richard Rohr says it this way. He says, false religion is present when we piously say, thy kingdom come, but don't immediately add, my kingdom go. And we Christians have believed that we could both say Jesus is Lord and go on being the lords of our own lives. So, you know, just wonder about the level of your own lordship right now. You know, when you think about it, when you think about, you know, who's the lord of your finances? Who's the lord of your, you know, your television watching? Who's the lord of your friendships? I mean, we all might know there are particular things that are hurting our lives, but we haven't yet had the courage to make the priority to say yes to God's invitation. Just wonder about that with God. Go to it and say, you know, who is first in my life? Because, friends, if we do that, we will emerge with God's blessing like you can't believe. I have never seen anybody that was sorry for raising the bar of making Jesus the priority in their life. Our home's a lot bigger than we think it is. So I want to ask us all to stand, and, and we're just going to consider our ways for a minute and ask what our priorities are and what we want to do about that. You know, what do we want to do about that? And I would say to you, you know, don't try to conquer your biggest mountain uh, and say, I'm just going to, you know, that is, I would just say, wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to make the priority to actually speak kindly right? Or I'm going to um, actually uh, name that person's name in my prayers. I'm going to make it a priority to actually love that person in a way that God's inviting me to. See, we've got 40 days to, uh, walking in the footsteps of Jesus coming up. Um, we're going to begin on Wednesday, which is Ash Wednesday, and there will be, a, I don't know how many of us that will gather together to pray to kick off the 40-day season leading up to Easter. But it's one of those wonderful practices to actually say, why do, they, you know, why do we even think about ashes? It's just to remember that these words, um, from ashes you come to ashes you return. Like, this life is short. And when we make the main thing the main thing, we are going to smile all, our way in, all the way into uh, heaven, having smiled throughout our lives saying, I'm waking up this morning. I want to make the main thing the main thing. I want my priority to be right. When you think about Haggai, when they started to rebuild the temple, when they made the temple their priority, something shifted. And can I say to you guys, you might think this is not a big deal, but it's a huge deal to Scott and I. The fact that you guys went above and beyond the chairs and carpet, 
I just think that said, God, we want to make your house a priority. And I, I want to thank God for that. I want to thank God that, that you know, um, instead of coming in and uh, when you see all these chairs up and looking at all the stains from the carpet and the bleach spots from, you know, getting all the coffee up and the 20 plus years of usage and the chairs that break every week, instead of saying, man, their chairs are bad. I'm going to go to a church where they have better chairs, cleaner carpet. You know, you just said, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of it. And, and I really believe that that's a good way to go into the Lent season. To start to say, and even to think that on Easter, we're going to say, God, we valued the house where people come to pray and receive communion and write prayers. That we valued the place where we get to come and be with strangers and people we know to sing about God. See, a lot of people, they just want to know everybody in church. I like strangers. You know, I like to see strangers. I love to see the people I know, but you know, I want to sing with strangers, people that don't think like me, vote like me, right? I want to be with strangers and the people that I know. Because something happens in the house of God when we come together and we say, we're going to make the priority not our party line, not our preferences, not our I'm right, you're wrong, it's us and them. We're going to come in and we're going to sing about the one thing we know is that God is with us. I love the way chapter one ends. God letting them know, I'm with you. I'm with you priorities. You're just saying, in whatever way it is, I don't know if one person just pulled one weed at the house of God that week. I don't know if it was somebody showing up to pray for someone there. I don't know, but I want to say that I believe this is powerful and that when priorities are in order in a church, in communities, in a nation, something happens. When we start looking at putting God first, we'll stop seeing this start seeing this we'll actually notice that something is opening up for us that we haven't seen like like rain oil and honey and blessing so let's just with God let's just say I want to consider my ways God if you're brave enough to do that it actually took 23 days between the time Haggai prophesied before the governor and the priest said we need to pay attention so not expecting this to be a moment for everyone, but for some of you it will be. That you want to say, God, I want to consider my ways. And how am I doing with you being the priority in my life? And then just notice that without judgment and offer it up to God and say, God, I would like to move in another direction. I'd like to set my heart on you. The Bible says I'm the temple now. And I want to set my heart on making room for you here. If there's any broken down areas in me, making space for you. And God, I pray all over this room that we, um, I feel like I am preaching to the choir of the people who got here in sleet and snow and that's wonderful to me to think that people who had deep desire 
are also able to pay attention to the deeper desire to put you first. Lord Jesus, we surrender. When we say your kingdom come, we also want to learn to pray my kingdom go. Go. 